I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. I'm Emmy. So it's fellowship time. That's the rumor. There's a fellowship, and there's a ring. Some elves are getting up to stuff, and I guess a few hobbits. I, li- I like hobbits. <laughs> I've always felt actually a good kinship with hobbits, because they eat and they drink. And sends him on a quest. Gandalf super doesn't really want Frodo to get out of the house. Suck it, Gandalf. Pipeweed? Pull up an armchair, grab a pipe and a pint from the green dragon. So you want to read Tolkien. Reading The Fellowship of the Ring. So here we are, welcome for chapter 9, At the Sign of the Prancing Pony. We made it! I feel like now we're getting into the... Plot? I was gonna say the goods, but I like everything that we've done so far. Yeah, it hasn't been bad. But yeah, I guess. It's just been a lot of walking and greenery. Nope. Yeah, we actually, we take a break from walking in this one. Instead, we talk. Maybe that's why. Actually, I was going to say that's maybe why bad things happen in this chapter, but bad things happen when they walk, too. So Yeah. But in this chapter, we uh, have, for characters, our four hobbits, Frodo, Sam, Mary, Pippin. We have Harry, a gatekeeper, whose name I 100% missed until reading it just now. And I was shocked. <laughs> it's okay, my initial version of these notes said an unnamed gatekeeper, and then doing the long summary, I realized he is given a name at one point. Not just me then, great. Uh, Barlaman Buttermere. Nope. A Try, try again. But, yep. <laughs> Barlaman Butterbur. Uh, <laughs> That's more likely. A, a Bree Man, the proprietor of the Prancing Pony Inn, who... His job was decided for for him the day he was born, apparently. Yep. Uh, Nob, a hobbit, works for Barlaman at the Prancing Pony. Strider, a ranger, aka one of the wandering folk who pops in and out months apart at a time, is called Strider because of his very long, attractive legs. <laughs> oh, Rachel. <laughs> um, a collection look, of various look, people. Parliament talks a lot about his legs. It's true. That's fair. It's like That's an fair. astonishingly amount of his legs. How long does he spend looking at them? I have questions. <laughs> uh, so some free hobbits. I was gonna say some free from hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> this is already going so downhill. <laughs> yep. So. A collection of various people, including Bree hobbits, men both from Bree and from farther afield, including ones who came up from the south, dwarves mostly traveling to or from mountains, two suspicious people who leave the inn notably. That was not my note. <laughs> two suspicious people, that was my note. Okay, I'm like, I swear I didn't nope, write that. I did, because they're just, they leave notably. Literally, they never mention them. They're like, these two suspicious gentlemen walk out of the inn. Like, wow, I don't know. But I think maybe that'll be important later. Possibly. Just a guess. But also, weren't the two suspicious people the ones who weren't being, like, xenophobic? No, they were pretty... I mean, I think everybody was. I thought they were the ones who were saying, more people are coming and they're gonna have to be put somewhere. And everybody else was like, not on my land, bitches. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Okay, yeah. Then we so. can all look. Th- we can look this up. So, for a short blurb about what happens in this chapter, the hobbits arrive at the town of Bree and stop at the Prancing Pony. While drinking and singing, Frodo accidentally slips on the ring and somehow <laughs> causes a mini panic and much suspicion. He also meets a mysterious ranger who knows who Frodo is and has something important to talk to Frodo about. Yep. I was going to say, dun-dun-dun, but I feel like this whole chapter 
Like, after almost every paragraph, you could be like, dun-dun-dun. Stay tuned. we're just going to... It's just going to get old fast. I I think... Well, I already count at least two in the long summary, so... Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, we we begin this chapter with uh, another gem from from Tolkien. Bree was the chief village of the Bree land. (laughs) Thanks. Bree of Bree. I... Not to be confused with the cheese. <laughs> now, to be fair, I think that that is less weird in England because, like, you know, there's Gloucester, which is in Gloucestershire. You know, like maybe that's true. I don't know. I I don't I don't think like the naming is weird. I just think it's like yes, we would assume that. No, you are correct. In the Bree land, and anyway, it's just like. What is going We've on? We've just been running away from Barrow Whites. Everything is terrible. And then we just get this nice... Yelp review of Brie. Back into this two pages of, you know, geography and history of a tiny area that hobbits are just passing through. I also like it because if he hadn't said that, like, it would have made zero difference. If he had just started describing the people and the hobbits in the area. Yeah. And not and not said anything about what this village was part of, like, it would have made... Zero difference. But we've already spent too much time talking about this. Anyway, uh, so in brief, the history of the Breeland, the humans in this area claim to be descended from the original humans, and the hobbits also claim to be the original hobbits. And there used to be a lot more hobbit interchange from Bree to and from the Shire, but not so anymore. And Bree also is situated at a crossroads, and so for a long time it was a center of information because of all of the travelers. Now, this bit where the humans claim to be descended from the original humans, isn't everyone? You would think, what does that even but I don't know. Mean. They claim to be more were truly descended? Sec- mm-hmm. Are there secondary humans? It's like Iluvatar's lesser known 2.5 children. <laughs> um, but that's an interesting bit, though, because they mentioned that um, they were there when the men... When the kings of old came back from over the sea. Yeah, weird, because they never mentioned you. <laughs> uh, so we get a little a little mention of Numenor and the history there. Yeah. Anyway, all this means next to nothing, so <laughs> thanks for these two pages. Well, the whole point of reading the Silmarillion first was so that we could find bits of it here, so I'm just bringing it up. That's, uh, that's yeah, fair. no, that's good. That's fair. Um, so anyway, our four hobbits arrive at Bree after dark to find the gate shut. The gatekeeper is shocked and suspicious to find four Shire hobbits at his gate. He tries to interrogate them to get their names and business, but the hobbits are pretty cagey. Mary ends up name-dropping being a brandy buck and shames the gatekeeper for not being welcoming to travelers. Uh, he's like, I thought you had a reputation for this. And the guy's like, fine. Like, literally, this is my job, bro. I gotta ask questions after nightfall. Yep. Um, but yeah, the gatekeeper ominously warns that queer folk are about, uh, and then lets them in. And uh, after the gatekeeper's back is turned, a mysterious dark figure climbs over the gate. Dun, 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 dun. And Rachel swoons. And hey, we're, we're, we're not quite there yet. He's a mysterious dark figure. You he swoon. is a mysterious dark figure, but... We didn't know which mysterious dark figure. There are a few of sure, them. Sure, sure. Um, it's it's not a black figure, as it were. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, anyway, so the hobbits arrive at the inn. 
Sam has had a very long day and is overwhelmed by the tall houses of the humans, but <laughs> the prancing pony looks delightfully welcoming and someone starts singing a merry song from inside, so everyone relaxes. I um, loved how Sam was like, can we just knock on some Hobbit stores and stay there? That'll be more welcoming. <laughs> right? Like, like, literally the opposite. Yeah. Oh, Hobbits. For for being so like quiet and stuff, they really aren't introverts, are they? No. And I really do feel that in this passage, they spend a really long-ass time describing the inn. Like, just the physical building of the inn. We don't care. It never comes up again. It's Tolkien. He describes everything. I only remember the sign. Mm-hmm. Mostly because it had a, a fat white pony on it. <laughs> and I was like, I want a fat white pony. Yep. It sounds really adorable. No, it seems like a quite pleasant place. Um, but anyway, the hobbits do come up to the inn and find Barlamin Butterbur, the proprietor of the Prancing Pony, and five-time winner of Bree's Most Ridiculous Name Award. <laughs> uh, he's all... Hmm. I don't know, though. Knob? <laughs> I think Knob could give him a run for his money. Oh, just wait. I have a thought about Knob here. So anyway, Barlamin's all, hmm, hobbits. Reminds me of something, but I don't remember what which is totally not weird or suspicious at all. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, but he does call Nob, who is a hobbit, to go find Bob, who is someone else who never appears, to ask Bob to stable the ponies. And here's my thought. I maintain that Nob and Bob are the same person, and it's like that episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. He just has a different hat on. He just puts a hat on and suddenly becomes Bob. If not, then they must be twins. We never meet Bob. I know. He never he comes, comes up. up and is mentioned, but he does not show. He did take good care of the ponies, though, I assume, because the ponies mm-hmm. come back. Yeah. This is totally something that Barlamin would do, though. Think that he's hired two different hobbits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just, like, forget. Or, like, maybe he used to have a Bob and Bob left, and he <laughs> forgot that Nob is doing both jobs now, so Nob is just eternally overworked. Maybe because- <laughs> Maybe Nob had a different name. And Nob actually stands for not Bob, and it just got <laughs> mashed into one. <laughs> anyway, um, Prancing Pony may or may not be in good hands. Uh, Barlamin does get the hobbits to some nice rooms where they get cleaned up, and then they all head back out and get some food and beer, which the beer is rated excellent by Sam, and hang out in a private room for a while. Uh after they're done eating, Barleyman invites the hobbits to join everyone in the common room if they would like. Frodo, Pippin, and Sam all agree, and Mary is extremely relatable and says that uh, it would be too stuffy. I had forgotten how awesome Mary is in these books. Right? So good. He's so good. Yep. Anyway, me too, Mary. Me too. So uh, in the common room, much talking ensues. Introductions are had, and the Shire Hobbits judge the Bree folk, both humans and hobbits, for having botanical names. A few hobbits have normal names, though, including some Underhills, who take Frodo as a cousin, since Frodo's using the fake name of Underhill. I thought that was really cute. It's right, and you're like, well, we have to be related, obviously. You are ours. I like that. I mean, I don't personally adhere to, you know, going to a common room in an inn and making friends with people. <laughs> but this was just really nice. They were like, well, yeah. obviously you're family. So, yep, yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. 
so Frodo makes up an excuse for why he's traveling. He says he's interested in history and geography and is thinking of writing a book containing information about non-Shire hobbits. Uh, at this, he gets a rousing response and far too much information. And there's a great line about how mistakenly people perceive the idea of writing a book. <laughs> They're like, as Frodo did not show any sign of writing a book on the spot, the hobbits return to their questions about doings in the Shire. Oh, you want to write a book? Why are you not doing it right now here in this bar? Don't you have your field journal with you? Yeah. Um, they probably like ask him for finished copies at the end. Like, <laughs> no. Uh, so Frodo at this ends up uh, seated in a quiet corner and overhears some humans and dwarves talking about trouble in the south and how more and more people will be coming from that direction looking for peaceful lands and the locals aren't too keen about that. Because xenophobia. This bit was so weird. Very. And I, and I think we were supposed to be on the locals' side. Yeah. But I guess political climates have changed. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm looking up. It says one of the travelers, but I don't know if it's the same one, who ends up leaving shiftily. Is he swarthy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a squint-eyed... Because it was the swarthy southerner. He's a, he's a squint-eyed, ill-favored fellow. I don't think it was him. Anyway, he's more just like saying he was a traveler and saying more and more people will be coming and they'll find a spot. I mean, I think like politics aside, we're supposed to take from this that bad shit is happening and yes. people are trying to get yeah. away. Yeah, I would I would argue that it's reasonably neutral in terms of like opinion. It's like the hobbits. It kind of implies the hobbits are wrong for being like, this doesn't even concern me because no one's taking my hobbit hole. Yeah, that's um, true. But yeah, anyway, terrible things are happening, but here we have this part of the world that's not really being touched by it directly. So, meanwhile, Sam and Pippin are sharing all kinds of stories of shenanigans in the Shire, because they're the life of the party. You know, Frodo then uh, notices a man who's sitting in the corner, uh, aka everyone's favorite gif of a certain someone's introduction in the movie. Smoking a pipe. That's Smoking very important. Yep. It's in fact a long-stemmed pipe, curiously carved. Um, and we get a, a nice long description of how he's a strange-looking weather-beaten man and has boots that of leather that have seen much wear and a travel-stained cloak of heavy dark green cloth drawn close about him with a hood that overshadowed his face. But the gleam of his eyes could be seen as he watched the hobbits. Uh, so Frodo inquires after him, and Barleyman tells Frodo that that's a ranger who doesn't talk much, except for when he occasionally tells a rare tale. Uh, he's always in and out, as these wandering folk seem to be. Uh, as Barleyman says, what his right name is, I've never heard, but he's known round here as Strider. Goes about at a great pace on his long shanks, though he don't tell nobody what cause he has to hurry. <laughs> Bravo for not attempting to imitate the accent from the movie. <laughs> like I can't hear that line without it. I I started doing it, like started saying it, and I'm hearing it in my head while I'm trying to say it normally. But yeah, yes, um, so distinct. Anyway, um, Barleyman then says, "Hmm, funny you should ask about him," and then is cut off. <laughs> yep, because this is frustrating. Because plot lines. Or something. Yeah. 
Uh, so Strider ends up beckoning Frodo over and then uh, dramatically throws back his hood. He, I love it. Yep, it's a good time. Uh, he warns Frodo to stop Sam and Pippin from talking so much because there are strange folk afoot. As if you didn't, you know, figure that out the first ten times someone said that. Uh, Frodo realizes that Pippin is now telling the story of Bilbo's going away party, which would be innocent enough because the whole Shire was invited, but would call the name of Baggins to people's minds, and that's not a good idea. So uh, Frodo's like, I gotta stop this, and he panics and jumps up on the table and starts rambling, which luckily it's, you know, the common room of an inn, so everyone thinks this is much fun because Frodo's just had too much beer. <laughs> uh, Frodo does have a moment of compulsion to put on the ring and disappear, but he resists it. Uh, he gets the idea that the suggestion to put on the ring actually came from outside. Dun, 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 dun. So yeah, anyway, after standing up on the table and saying some inanities, someone calls for a song, and Frodo jumps into a ridiculous song that Bilbo had written. Oh, about... Bilbo. Mm -hmm. uh, so the song is about an inn and the man in the moon and a cat that fiddles and a cow and some spoons. And if you don't get where I'm going with this, uh, Tolkien is doing his Tolkien thing again. And he says, here it is in full. Only a few words of it are now as a rule remembered. <laughs> and the implication, yeah, the implication is basically that Bilbo wrote the hey diddle diddle nursery rhyme. I love this bit. I love the song. It's one of the songs in here that I enjoy, you know, stopping the story to read. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun. It is. It's delightful. It would make an actual good drinking song. They do a version of it in the extended edition of the first Hobbit movie. Hobbit movie. Sorry. Yeah, I yeah. had a moment yes. too. Yeah, Hobbit. I'm like, this isn't Not him. Lord of the Rings, yes. Hobbit. That would explain why I don't remember it, because they're the Hobbit movies. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, if you don't want to subject yourself to that, Peter Hollins does a really good, like, Hobbit drinking medley that has a good version of this in it. Awesome. Anyway, everyone, like us, is super delighted by the song, so they make Frodo sing it again. Uh, he's feeling pleased with himself, so he hops up on a table... And when he gets to the line, the cow jumped over the moon, he leaps into the air with a bit too much gusto. So uh, he crashes into a tray of mugs and falls off the table and vanishes. I like that he was having this moment of fun. Yep. M might be his last. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Like, I genuinely don't remember another bit of Frodo just being like, yeah, yeah that was a good time. Yep. No, I mean, something... Something bad's gonna happen to him pretty soon. Yeah. Anyway, um, everyone is amazed and shocked and frightened, and they think Frodo is a magician. Which is a lot like being a witch in Salem. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they're all immediately, like, backing away and being like, what the fuck mm -hmm. are these people? I don't want them here. Go away. Yeah. Um, even Pippin and Sam, just because of association. Uh, and uh, one Brelander in particular looks at Pippin and Sam strangely. And he slips out with one of the Southerners. And then is followed by Harry the Gatekeeper, who apparently showed up at some point. And was never mentioned. And was given a name. Yeah. Weird. That's it. Literally just, he's not mentioned. He's at the gate. And then suddenly he's he's here in the common room with a name. Why not? So uh -huh. is no one minding the gate? 
yeah. I assume maybe there are more than one gatekeeper. It's a uh, gatekeeper society. I think I, I think he... the new gatekeeper is Nary the gatekeeper, <laughs> not Harry. I was going to say, he's Harry the gatekeeper, not Harry a gatekeeper. Anyway, Which... the mechanics <laughs> of the town of Bree are a little questionable. <laughs> Whatever. Um, Ferdo invisibly crawls back to the corner by Strider and takes off the ring. He has no idea how it ended up on his finger, and he wonders if the ring itself played a trick on him. I feel like, is this... I feel like this is the first time we've really gotten an idea that the ring has a mind of its own. At least since talking about how it would, like, grow and shrink in people's hands. Like, when we first learned about the ring. Yeah, and it couldn't yeah, decide. We got a sense, but... Yeah, I guess, like, we've talked about it before, but this is the first, like, in-story mm-hmm. instance we've seen of it exerting its own will. Yeah, and I, I kind of, I in a way, I got the feeling that, right, when, when Frodo first stood up on on the table or yeah, yeah right when he first stood up on the table he was so nervous mm-hmm. and he thought about putting on the ring but resisted it but then he like ended up having a good time and relaxing and that's when the ring ends up on his finger mm-hmm. i mean i think a little accident and i think a little letting his guard down <laughs> sorry i just read this note that you wrote about strider about what he tells Frodo. oh <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, um, the ring is working against Frodo, and Strider, when when Frodo appears beside him, basically tells Frodo, uh, "You done fucked up and made everything worse. <laughs> you stopped him talking, all right, and instead you just you just threw it off the deep end." Uh, Strider also reveals that he knows a great deal about Frodo, uh, including his true name of Baggins and about the ring. Uh, Strider also tells Ferdo that he has to talk to him in private later. Not innuendo, even if it sounds like it. Meanwhile, everyone is shouting at Barlam and Butterbur in a panic, telling him that Ferdo just disappears. Or, uh, no, that was- He's a witch! Telling him that Ferdo just disappeared! Let's get the right tense there. Uh, Ferdo pipes up that he didn't disappear, here he is in the corner! Yeah, like, that's not even creepier than disappearing in the first place. Come on, Ferdo. Yeah. Um, the people, in a shockingly sensible move, don't buy it. <laughs> uh, they, he's, Frodo's like, I just crawled away under the tables. And they're like, mm, no. Uh, but they don't really do anything about it besides, like, leave. They're just so freaked out, they run away. Uh, Butterbur isn't super upset because he knows the people will be back to talk about it for weeks to come. Uh, but he does tell Frodo to warn him before doing any more acrobatics or conjuring, because Bree folk are a suspicious lot as a rule. Uh, Frodo's like, mm, don't worry, I won't do it again. We're leaving at 8am tomorrow anyway. Uh, at that point, Barleyman finally remembers what he needs to tell Frodo, and says he'll come to Frodo's room after taking care of a few things. So again, later. It's our third time he's like, cut off from saying something or doesn't do it later. Anyway. Frodo reacts kind of like I would, thinking, what the hell, how many people need to have secret talks with me? And even he grows suspicious, uh, including of Barleyman. I feel like this is one step away from, like, a parody movie, you know, where five different people have to come and tell you secrets. Yep. Yes. Pretty much. And we keep saying, like, people keep saying, I'll tell you later, and then dying mysteriously. I mean, mean, a classic trope. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's it. That's the ending. Frodo's like, what the heck are all these people going to tell me? And we'll never know. Well, we will know in the future. Next week. Yep.
I really liked this chapter. It was different than what we've had so far. Mm-hmm. What with the the return of the the will of the ring, like we mentioned, it mm-hmm. feels like we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Which is strange, because this is when they stopped walking. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, and I felt the opposite, probably because the setting never changed, that things were happening, but we got nowhere. Mm -hmm. But also, tonally, this is a very weird chapter to follow the Barrowites. That's true. They've very much come from mystery, creepy, disembodied arms to... Drinking in a pub. A happy What the heck? Yeah. 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 It it almost felt like a, a mashup between something that could have been out of The Hobbit and the rest of this book, where you have the little ominous bits, but then I think also, since we've had so long of just these characters and Tom Bombadil being in a crowd again, and having a whole bunch of people, just feels so out of the norm of where we've been. Yeah, I guess this is our first meeting of humans. Yeah. Yeah. In this story, anyways. Yeah, Bombadil and Goldberry were not, however much I imagined them that way. And they didn't, I would actually presume that Bombadil and Goldberry weren't tall like humans either, just because the hobbits didn't mention it, hmm. which I didn't really notice until now. That's true. That's very true. I just make everyone human-shaped unless mentioned otherwise. Um, there was a line in this chapter that I thought was really interesting because then I went and looked it up. As Sam and Pippin and Frodo are leaving to go drink in the common room and, you know, wash away all their common sense, Mary says, uh, mind your P's and Q's, right? Basically, be on your best behavior and shut up. And I thought it sounded really weird because I've always heard it, you know, mind your P's and Q's in polite society. But actually, um, they think, the Oxford English Dictionary thinks this phrase comes from bartenders keeping track of their patrons' alcohol consumption, minding your pints and quarts of beer, um, or whatever it was that you drank until you were no longer fit for polite society. And I thought that was very interesting etymology. I learned that when I was very young. So when I read your note here, I was like, I thought everybody knew no. that. Nope. But honestly, I have no idea where I learned that or why. But I, I did know that Mind Your P's and Q's was, my, or where was allegedly Mind Your Pints and Quarts. Hmm. Nope, I had no idea. Interesting. It's not a phrase you hear too often anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Every so often. Like I mentioned earlier, I do love the Man in the Moon song. I especially like it because it combines, like today's sort of i don't know what to call it but like the idea of the man in the moon the the western i suppose idea that you can see a man in the moon with tolkien's own mythology of the moon being an actual male einer whatever and the sun being a female one in Mm -hmm. fact he makes a special note in the book that elves always refer to the sun as she yeah yeah and i just i like getting back into that whole metatextual narrator thing Mm -hmm. where Tolkien's the the relayer of it. Yeah. So I liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. And obviously meeting Strider is fabulous. <laughs> he is he has a his... really good introduction. Like the description of his, you know, fine leather boots that fit him well, but are very well used and covered in mud. Mm-hmm. His long shanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's so good because most of the characters we've just kind of run into so quickly, but Strider, we actually get to take a little time meeting. Yeah. Where it's first the visual and then asking about him and then hearing and learning more and meeting him. Yeah. But yeah, you do. You just, that visual just, it tells you all the story you need to know. Mm-hmm. And even makes him more mysterious because like everybody says, I don't know, he just 
wanders around, but then why would he have such well-fitting fine leather boots, even if they are, you know, well-used? Mm-hmm. So it keeps the mystery. Yeah. And I like that. When you said well-fitting fine leather, I thought the last word in that sentence was going to be different. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were going in a different direction. Uh, I was going to try to come up with some sort of porn version of Fellowship of the Ring, but my mind just blanked. (laughs) We're not all here tonight. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It just, it makes me think, they just, as I read it though, they, they did get that so good in the movie. They really did. Yeah. Yeah, it's that ex- it's that exactly. They even got like his gleaming eyes and everything. Mm-hmm. And then it he is- just like beckons to Frodo, and Frodo's like, "All right," and goes to talk with him. Yeah, I think that's interesting too because Frodo doesn't really trust him and is feeling kind of what's the word? My mind just blanked. Like but everyone like, else, suspicious. Yeah, I guess <laughs> suspicious. But then, and when he says, "Come and talk to me," he goes and talks to him, and he listens. Mm-hmm. And then even afterwards, when he's trying to get away from all the people that he's made suspicious of him he goes back to strider yeah so i feel like he must have some strider must have like a charm about him he's got good vibes yeah Mm. i wonder if we'll get to see more of him Uh, i don't know seems a little mysterious who could this ranger be (laughs) we'll never know we'll never know (laughs) okay so that was chapter nine uh homework for next week is chapter 10 Strider. I guess we are going to learn more about this mysterious man. (laughs) Uh, Oh, well. (laughs) Uh, If you have any questions or comments, you can tweet us at ToReadTolkien or email us at wanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com. If you like us, you can always give us a rating or review on iTunes or or Apple Podcasts is what it's called now. Or any uh, podcast listening service of choice. And I think that's it. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you all next week for Chapter 10. I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. Yep. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.